1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show today. We have an awesome show for you. One of my favorite guests of all time. You probably know him, too. His name is Mike Iaconelli. He's a professional bass fisherman, and he has an incredible story that he told us on really one of the first podcasts um, that we did. It was probably within the first year that I was doing podcasts. So if you haven't heard that, uh, interesting to go back and listen to his story. He made it to the very top of the bass world by a very unique path, not the path that everybody else takes. I think that uh, Mike is doing as good a job as anybody to create events and tournaments and situations where kids, not only kids that are in places where people normally fish all the time, but you know, places like urban environments and places that fishing is not a, something that is going to be handed down. They're, these kids are probably not going to have the opportunity to go fishing if it were not for the Ike Foundation and what Mike's doing. So I think he's doing fantastic work and uh, just made for a really great conversation. I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with pro bass angler Mike Iaconelli. Hey,
2: everybody. I'm Mike Iaconelli. I'm a fish head. And this is the Tom Roland podcast.
1: Mike Iaconelli, how are you, man?
2: How you doing? It's good. Good to see you. Good to be back on the on the program.
1: I know. I have. Uh, I've always. I, I really enjoyed our first interview where it was kind of a chance encounter at iCast, and then uh, then we just. I, I asked you if you wanted to do a podcast. You said, "Well, sure, let's do it right now." And we went up to the room and, and got one of one of my favorite ones ever. You have such a, a great story, and dude, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of yeah. yours for for so many reasons. You uh, you're like the people's champion. You came up through the Bass Federation, right, to to win the the Bassmaster Classic, which is a which is an incredible route, and it brings so many people behind you, right? And um, and then what you're doing for kids fishing today is, is fantastic. And that's one of the things that I wanted to have you on to talk about with your Ike foundation and so many other things that you're doing, but, um, yeah. you know, I'm a fan dude.
2: Well, I, I appreciate it. And I'm, uh, it, it's reciprocal. I'm a fan of yours, Tom, you, you, in the saltwater world, you're my hero. Um, <laughs> I'm a, actually, you know, I'm a freshwater guy, but I'm a closet saltwater fisherman. So uh, you know, I like I like stuff that pulls back. I don't yeah. care what if it's salt or fresh. But man, I'm I've been lucky to have the opportunities that I've had, and um, it's been great. Uh, at the end of the day, I think about fishing every day. I feel like when I'm fishing, I feel like I'm 15 again, even though my body's getting old and wearing away here, but um, keeps me young. It's uh, it's fun. There's down days like any other occupation. But um, at the end of the day, I love what I do. And I'm really, really lucky, really fortunate.
1: Yeah. Well, I've I, the, the advice that I've been giving my kids, I've got a 25 year old, a 23 year old and a 19 year old. I know that you're you're a parent as well. Um, yeah. I've been giving my kids the advice of, listen, what you got to do is you got to find something that you love and then you have to pour your entire self into that yeah and then remain creative in your thinking and you can yeah. make you can make a living out of anything you can absolutely yeah. make a living out of anything but if that's it to me that's like the recipe is find something that you're truly passionate about and yeah. then no holding back yeah. pour everything you've got into it and that's what that's obviously what you've done even you know i don't know you well but from an outside point of view it's easy to see that that's that's how you live, man. You you pour everything you got into into what you do.
2: Yeah. It's a great theory and I, and and it's a great lesson to teach your kids and and you know, the best case scenario is your children grow up doing something they love to do. And uh I I, I was fortunate that I did that. But a lot of it I think for me was um my parents, you know, my in particular my mom, uh, my dad passed away when I was real early, but I had an uncle Don who's really a father figure for me. And I got to watch them um, with this amazing nonstop work ethic uh, Hmm. where, you know, when they wanted to do something, they just hustled and pushed and kept going until they succeeded at whatever they wanted to do. And it wasn't because of talent or, or, you know, pure, you know, just natural skill. It was work. And you know, and I think a lot of that is their environment growing up. You know, uh, parents were immigrants. You know, growing up in South Philadelphia, you know, blue collar working people.
1: Yeah, don't forget got, in the in the yeah. shadow of World War II.
2: Also, yeah, in shadow, I mean, right. it, and, That, and that I got,
1: changed everything, and it was yes, a different world.
2: Yes, and I got to see that, and that has really helped me in my life um, so much. What whether it was this fishing occupation or When I was in school, or I played competitive hockey as a kid, you know, all those things that really helped helped me a lot in my life, and it continues to 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 this day, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool. Well, we got so much to talk about, but we've uh, we've started a new thing on the podcast where I put the guest on the hot seat. All right, so one minute we're going to ask as many of these questions as we can possibly get through. I think you're you're a fast talker. I think you can make it through the whole thing. Okay, Okay, let's do. So, are you ready? All right, so you don't put a lot of thought into it. It's just the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay, Okay, so here we go. Sunrise or sunset?
2: Sunrise.
1: Spin or (sighs) baitcaster?
2: Spinning rod.
1: (laughs) River or lake? River. Coffee, tea, or energy drink?
2: I I like my coffee in the morning.
1: Mountains or beaches?
2: Mountains, 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 mountains. Love mountains.
1: Winter Olympics or Summer Olympics?
2: Oh, Summer Olympics. Breakdancing's in the Summer Olympics.
1: <laughs> the Office, Friends, or Parks and Rec? Uh,
2: office. Yeah, office is good.
1: Me too. Large Mouth or Small Mouth?
2: Small Mouth, 100%.
1: Best win in your career?
2: <sighs> Bassmaster Classic.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. A movie that makes you laugh?
2: Evil Dead 2.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh. <laughs> Text <or> calls? <laughs>
2: uh calls i want to instagram hear or twitter instagram
1: one thing you're afraid of
2: i'm afraid of heights like heights heights uh-huh. super heights
1: one piece of technology you rely heavily on
2: man i would say so you know sonar any form of sonar in the boat you know
1: favorite state for bass fishing
2: upstate new york new nice. york nice
1: All right. You made it through. You made it all the way through. That's pretty good. That gives uh, some interesting answers there. Uh, Spinning rod is is an interesting answer.
2: Spinning rod from the perspective of, you know, that fight, you know, for me, you know, in a tournament scenario, yes, you want to hook a big one on a baitcaster with 50 pound braid and winch him in. But when I'm fishing, fun fishing or trying to really enjoy it, man, there's nothing like... A spinning rod and that sound of that line zinging off and you know I, I mentioned smallmouth like I, I don't know you know like a four or five pound class smallmouth on a spinning rod it's magic every time oh, yeah. and it it never gets old that's that's the funny thing you know I'm 51 and I remember catching my first couple as you know as a teen a young teenager and. It never gets old. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. fight never changes for me, you know? Yeah,
1: and and where, you know, that that area where where you're talking about upstate New York and all of the kind of up in that that area up there, great smallmouth fishing. Fantastic World class. smallmouth fishing. World um class. when do you think that the the spinning rod became more accepted in professional bass fishing i mean i grew up bass fishing and and always used a spinning rod and i was kind of afraid of a baitcaster every time i grabbed one it turned into a a bird's nest but um you know but for a while there professional anglers like you look back at at bill dance and roland martin and orlando wilson and all those shows strictly baitcaster had nothing to do with spinning rods and then somewhere along the line it it got um, a little bit more accepted. I'm kind of thinking maybe around the innovation of braid, maybe. But- yeah,
2: it, it it was a gra- I think it was a gradual, the way that I see it, it was a gradual buildup. But, you know, for sure you hit it on the head when you thought about bass fishing in the 70s, 80s, even up to the early 90s. It was a Southern dominated sport. It was a sport where you had heavy line and you chucked big lures and that that was the mindset. But, you know, I think early, early on you had some Innovators, uh Don Avino out west, Tony Bean uh in Tennessee. You had these anglers using spinning rods having success. And then you saw that in tournament fishing. Guido Hibden, yeah. uh late 80s, early 90s, Shaw Grigsby, uh for sure. I remember seeing them catch big spawning bass on a spinning rod, and I was blown away as a kid. And you know, even even me, maybe I had a little hand in it because I can remember my first few years on tour, in the late '90s, uh, early 2000s. Even then, it seemed like I was always the the black sheep with a with a few spinning rods on the boat, uh, and very few guys threw shaky head. Very few very few guys used finesse fishing in tournament applications, and and I did very successfully. In fact, you know, when I look at my some of my biggest wins. The Classic in 2003, Louisiana Delta, heavy cover, grass, spinning rod helped me win that. 2006 Angler of the Year, 11 event season. Every tournament I had that year, spinning rod helped me have a good, have good events. So, you know, I, I, it has changed, though. I, I can look now at young younger kids and uh, high school kids and college kids. And it's I would say it's 50-50. Like, these really? kids have... Half their combos are spinning and half their combos are bait casting. And that's awesome because it should be a tool. It should be a tool and they're, and they're utilizing it like that.
1: Yeah, I agree so much. Even when you bring in a fly rod to the thing too, it's like you should be able to use it all. And right. there's so much in bass fishing where you're not going to be able to do the same type of, of technique with a spinning rod as you can with a bait caster. I mean, you guys can just pound those little pockets one after another after another after yeah. another so effectively and so accurately and with a spinning rod it just wouldn't be that way but uh, vice versa there's there's things that you can do with a spinning rod that you that maybe you can't some people can do with a baitcaster but it just seems like it's way more effective with a spinning yeah. rod
2: yeah, when you think about it as a tool, I mean that's the that's the way that I try to explain it to people. And you know, spinning allows you to do certain things, bait casting allows you to do certain things. So there's, you know, weight application, there's the way the bait falls, uh, there's distance. You know, when you start to factor in those things, it 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 sort of points you in a direction of mm-hmm. which is which. The easiest rule of thumb when I'm telling people that are that are new to the sport is weight of the lure. That's a real easy uh one. And you know my rule of thumb is quarter ounce or lighter use a spinning quarter mm. ounce or heavier use a casting you know and that's a really good starting point for guys trying to make the decision
1: yeah yeah so uh one of the things that I wanted to talk about today for sure is is the Ike Foundation and um how that um started what your yeah. vision was for it and how that may have changed over over time to what it is today
2: yeah it's it's cool and i know you know you do a lot of stuff in and your business too, that feel like the most rewarding things you can do. Yeah. And that's, that's the one for me, you know, I'm real lucky. I get to do so many cool things, a lot of pieces of the business, but that's the one where, you know, you, you, you go to bed at night and you're like, man, this is the most amazing thing that I'm getting to be a part of. But Ike Foundation, we're going on, going on about 10 years old. Uh, Becky and I started it and, you know, we really started it because we had this platform Where we could do something good. And, Mm -hmm. you know, up to that point, we had been working with existing foundations and organizations, and we still do that. But we got to the point where we just said, you know, let's create something where we're doing a good thing. And it was almost like, I think we sat for like 15 minutes. It was that quick, Tom. It was that easy to come up with, we want to grow fishing through kids. Through getting kids fishing. And then, and then when it took another 15 minutes, and what's that look like? Well, where, 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 you know, where do kids not really fish? Where, where do they have this block to the outdoors, to fishing and, and nature? And it was like, man, I looked at my childhood and I'm like, I, I grew up in Philly. If I didn't have parents that fished, I would have been screwed. Mm-hmm. And it was like urban areas non-traditional areas right you know the kids that are growing up in new york city and chicago and la and they may have never engaged in casting let alone fishing and so it came together really quick but i think like anything it finds itself and you figure out how to get good at making an impact and you know i feel like 10 years in now we have a have a rhythm and it, we're a national organization, and we've got all these things we're doing to help get kids fishing. Um, and it's just, man, it's one of those ones that you're proud of. And, and you know, like, I think, you know, you when it's all said and done and you finally hang up your hat from, from a business standpoint, you know, this is the one that I feel like is going to continue, and this is the one that means the most for us for yeah. for Becky and I you know because yeah yeah like I'm in the office right now I'm looking around and there's some amazing trophies and I'm proud of these trophies but that's sort of fleeting where this one is much more long lasting and you know when you can impact someone uh when you can impact a kid you know and here's the thing we always say this we're not trying to create professional anglers it would be great if one of these kids that we've helped you know years later says, man i i you know i'm a pro bass fisherman or i'm a rep or i'm a guide because of your impact that would be great but we're trying to create a love for this sport and and you know man that's the hardest thing as time goes on especially kids they are pulled away from the outdoors and they're pulled away from nature and and we're just trying to trying to say hey there's this thing called fishing whether you live in Miami or, you know, on a farm in the Midwest, you can enjoy this sport. If there's water, you could enjoy this sport. And it's been, it's been a lot of fun, been a lot yeah. of fun.
1: I mean, it's, it's really cool to, to see how it's grown also. How many, um, I guess over 10 years, you know, a lot's changed in 10 years. Like social yeah. media has totally changed. The amount of social media, our devices have changed. Yeah. You're seeing even more of a pull away from the outdoors and towards um screen time, really. Yeah. And 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 the screen time that you're competing with, they have teams of people making this the most entertaining thing that anyone has ever seen. So yeah. in the last 10 years, how have you, have you seen it be more difficult or easier? It's kind of interesting to think about because some people like they spend so much time on screens that the opportunity to get off of a screen and yeah. do something else, you can see the kid just blossom. I mean, even in a couple of hours. Yeah. And then I just wonder if you've noticed anything in the last 10 years where it's become harder or easier to get kids to, to try it.
2: Yeah. A little bit of both. I mean, I really feel like it's a, a double-edged sword because, you know, as time went on, you hit it on the head. It's getting more difficult to pull kids away through social media and all that stuff. But, you know, w- w- we've stepped back and said, Hey, let's use that to our advantage, you know? So we've, we've went in and actually utilized some of the same things that pulling kids away to help pull kids in, yeah. you know? Uh, I, I I've said this before on podcasts and I and I really I think it's a, a statement where, you know, I have mixed emotions saying it, but COVID for the the Ike Foundation and for kids fishing was a real blessing in disguise for us. And it created this environment where, you know, people wanted to get out. Families wanted to get outside and do something that was you know, not in a building or, you know, not tight in tight quarters and not, you know, it it was this thing to get kids out. And it really, really helped. And, uh, you know, I mean, COVID for us was a boost and we saw our participation of youth really go up. And then, hmm. you know, once the pandemic sort of faded away, we've continued this wave of kids that want to get out. And, and, you know, again, Tom, these are, we're not talking about, I'm not talking about somebody in Alabama that was going to fish anyway, right? right. Gunnersville, Alabama. If you're born in Gunnersville, Alabama, you're going to fish. <laughs> That's just the <a> fact, <laughs> right? Uh, uh, if you're born in Key West, you're going to fish. I mean, it's thrown at you. But we're talking about kids in, you know, um, urban areas, uh, you know, Newark, New Jersey. We work right. with an amazing organization in Newark, New Jersey. Newark, New Jersey is basically a suburb of New York City. It is city. City as city can get, and besides the University of of Rutgers, it, it there's not a. I mean, it's city, it's grimy, but through Newark runs one of the most amazing rivers called the Raritan River, that has uh, trout in its upper reaches and a migratory population of stripers, and of course catfish and bass and musky and all these amazing things, and you know we're able to go there and introduce these kids to fishing that just are blown away and they they can't even believe it <laughs> they don't even believe that this opportunity is there and and you know i think there's a stereotype even with youth that fishing means traveling means exotic trips means thousands of miles to a remote destination and when they see that it's right here it really opens up their eyes and you know that first experience, and you know this, but that first experience is so important. And to make that experience fun, and you know whether whether they catch fish or not, make it fun and make it interesting and make it something that they want to do again. If you can do that, you've you've hooked them for life. And yeah. that that's really our mission. Every time we introduce someone to fishing, that's our mission. So you
1: do this through. Um like that that situation there would be like an event like a weekend event or i noticed you have like clubs like like yeah. the ike foundation has like fishing clubs and then there's competitive opportunities for that when i was looking through uh the yeah. ike foundation instagram and your own instagram but like something you also have just like a weekend event or something where you supply rods and reels and people to kind of help learn how to cast and and all of that
2: yeah also yeah. We do. We do. And, and it's really, you know, 10 years later, it's branched out. And we thought in the beginning, the Ike Foundation would only be us holding events. And there's restrictions, right, geographically and time-wise to that. And 10 years later, it grew into, you know, we're still doing that, but we're helping these other groups all across the country. And that that is great. So, you know, what we got really good at is understanding what you need, the premise behind holding an event, the the premise behind making it fun and getting a kid fishing. And we're able to pass that to Ike Foundation ambassadors all over the country. Oh, that's fresh awesome. salt, multi-species walleye, catfish, dirt, like, you know, pulling back, right? The experience of having something pulling back. And it's been really amazing to see it, you know, and we do a lot of donations. So, You know, we'll have this template and these donations, and we, you know, really guide these groups. And they're everything from existing kids' fishing clubs to boys and girls' clubs to police associations to, you know, everything, you know, why why clubs and cities. And, you know, a week or two later after their event, when we get the images back or the videos, Tom, that's the magic. And like literally, Becky and I, when we see them for the first time, sometimes we cry like oh. I'm not kidding you. and I I'm oh, not I know, very, man. I'm not a very emotional person but like honestly you're watching this and like tears are coming in your eyes and you're like holy shit like we're having an impact i know in in Los Angeles we could have never done it how the hell and it's all you know again the gift and curse of this thing right it's yeah. all all through the ability of you know just reaching out networking and uh oh it's been so good but we we're doing scholarships uh we're doing actual kids tournaments and so we do the very basic stuff where a kid catches a bluegill we just measure inches to now we have this group of high school and college kids and grade school age kids that are like I want to compete yeah and you know you see the fire in their eyes and I'm like dude that's a mini me I can see that you know and so we really expanded it it feels so good um you know, at the end of the day, we're a nonprofit. And and the biggest thing is, you know, we, we we it takes a lot of effort and money to run this. And that's so we do a lot of fundraising. You know, it's yeah, it it's all worth it. That's it's awesome. It.
1: I was looking at your um uh, at your Instagram this morning and I came across this this picture right here. great. I it's mean great. this one. I don't know why this one struck me so much, but like yeah. you, when you were saying, Man, I mean it almost made you want to cry. Here's this little girl that's got her tackle box and her fishing rod and some kind of hat on and she is jazzed man she is Super ready jazzed. to go you can see it in the body posture you can see it everything about it yes. is she is so excited and uh that is just that is just so cool i, I love that it's I great yeah that. And
2: that was that was one of our events from a uh, baltimore uh event in baltimore maryland another you know city non a lot of non traditional kids coming out and a lot of those kids have never even cast. Yeah. Right? (laughs) Like, so we take it for granted, you know, but, you know, when you see, like, that little girl's probably 10, 11 years, 10, 11 years old, and she never cast. And now we're, you know, with the help of support of great sponsors, like Flambeau with the tackle boxes and Abu Garcia with the rods and reels. She's walking away with those. She's casting for the first, and just the art of casting. Dude, her eyes are big. Hmm. And, and, and this is a little girl, right? It's not just a boy sport, you know, to, to be able to, to, to help with that. And, and, you know, again, just when it comes full circle, maybe she fishes a couple more times and then she stops, but she has her own children and she remembers that. And then she, she says, I want my kids to experience that. And I remember that, right. So that's the impact that but, we're talking but about. But there's that's so much
1: actually, more to it, though, is if, if if somebody goes and has a positive experience, has a child, then forever they look at fishing not as, I, want, I don't know what those guys are doing over there. They look yeah. at it as, oh, they're fishing, right? Like, yes. I, I know what they're doing. Like, that's yes. a good, wholesome activity. Not like what are those rednecks doing over there? They shouldn't be there. This is private property or that might be private. You know, I don't know. It's just the way you look upon anything that you don't know anything about. Right. Like maybe it's Frisbee golf in the park for the first time you've ever seen that. You're like, they shouldn't be doing that over there. But then you learn a little bit more about it. It's like, no, that's, that's a cool thing to do. Like they're out there having fun. No, they're not hurting anybody. It's great. And so I think that, that, there's so much more to it than, than just like trying to recruit anglers. You're also, you're also giving fishing a positive vibe all, all across everything. And that's, yeah. that's huge. Um, yeah. when you, when you move this into these, uh, high school tournaments and stuff, I, I yeah. also thought it was really cool that, um, I noticed that your son is is fishing in these Vegas. And, yes. uh, so how old is he now?
2: So he's 12 and he really you know, got the bug and I I think he got it honestly, but, you know, so uh, we've, we've got four kids and two of ours are grown and we've got two younger ones and they all love it. They all love being outside. They all love being in the boat, nature, you know, they love that connection, but Vegas, you know, had that spark even from an early age where, you know, and it's hard to even explain. I've tried to talk, talk about it before on podcasts. It's hard to even explain, but he has that something where he's really good at it. And the great thing about it, Tom, he doesn't even know. Like it's mm-hmm. so innocent. Like he doesn't and Becky and I don't say anything. We we zip. You know, he's in bed at night and that that when we you know, we're talking in bed, we'll be like we're looking at each other like how the hell you know, but but we don't want him to know, right? Uh so he comes by and honestly, but he really has connected with fishing to the next level hmm. where he loves it. It's like a puzzle to him. He wants to solve the puzzle. He He's, you know, like theorizing these things at 12, like what his bait is doing and how he could get better, like things that a 12 year old shouldn't be doing. Uh, and it's really cool to see. And you know, at, at the end of the day, he's having a lot of fun. He's yeah. having a lot of fun. He loves soccer. And he's having a lot of fun playing soccer and he loves fishing and he's having a lot of fun fishing. So, you know, we're encouraging it, but not pushing it. Yeah. Like that's a really, it's a really interesting gray line. I that would think. You have to navigate. and Especially
1: for you. Yes. Like, I mean, this is, you know, I mean, honestly, it's going to be a strange comparison for you to hear, but it would be like Michael Jordan's son learning how to play basketball like lebron james son playing basketball like pick it pick whoever i mean you're one of the greatest ever and so there's a big shadow there yeah and i wonder like how how you're dealing with that it seems like it's going well Um, yeah
2: that's a tough one and and, you know i've seen it with other pros like for sure you know when i look back at Denny Brower and his son, Chad, fish professionally. Mm-hmm. And Guido Hibden and his son, Dion, Alton Jones. Alton Jones, his son, Alton Jr., very successful right now. So it's been done, but, you know, y- y- you definitely worry about that from the standpoint of not just being too pushy as the pro dad, but also from the standpoint of, you know, what other people think. And, right. And, you know, so Becky and I go out of our way uh to to let him do his own thing. And so in some of these events, um, he can fish by himself, but in most of them at 12, you have a captain, you have a boat captain. And we've been very, very adamant about him fishing with other captains. Uh, that includes, you know, uh, friends, uh, volunteers, uh, you know, s- s- people from other states and, you know, putting him in the boat to, to get the experience himself. I, I You know, listen, He's watched me since he was a a child, but good and bad, he can only learn so much from me. So this has got a big benefit from the learning aspect, but also from the aspect that it breaks down those stereotypes. And like, you know, Tom, he fishes with my wife, Becky. Becky, I love Becky to death. Becky can hold her own with a fishing rod. She doesn't know fishing. And it's so cool to see him succeed with her right. because it's Vegas on his own merit. Win or lose. Well, that's a, a lot and, better
1: when you get to the scales. Like, yes, I mean, win or lose. It, it, win say or you lose. have a, say you have a great day and then everybody there is like, well, I would have had a great day too if Mike Iconelli yeah. was there telling me everything to do. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I mean, I, I think that it's really, really interesting that you have gone this route with, with Becky doing that. First of all, sh- that she wants to do that and she's willing to do that and everything. That's fantastic but also that you saw that that's like a potential thing like that. And that could suck the fun right out of it for him. Like, no, he didn't tell me anything. Like dad sat there with his mouth shut, never said a word. I picked my own bait. I knew where to cast. I told him where to go. I did it all by myself. Well, that's hard to convince somebody else of that when you come in with a 10 pounder. Right. Like, but, but I think that that's, that's super interesting. I, I wonder like, um, so many people are like into um, kids' sports now—travel sports, soccer, yeah. lacrosse, everything, wrestling, anything—and yes. a lot of those parents were pretty good. Some of them were really good in their day, but yeah. most of them were kind of not that good. And they're living secondary, um, kind of vicariously through their kid now, and they won't really want them to do really well. And I see that a lot of them put way too much pressure on the kid, way yeah. and 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 they and and maybe I'm I'm could be, uh, you know, guilty of this, too, because, you know, going through you, you learn as a parent, you learn and yeah. you, you put too much pressure on them. And then you're like, oh, boy, that didn't work. So I'm going to back up yeah. back way off. And you have to and each kid's a little bit different. But I wonder in this little um, chapter that you're going through with Vegas, if you had advice for people that, you know, may may have been pretty good at sports or whatever and not yeah. not fishing related but how would you apply what you've learned in in fishing with and watching vegas go through this this period of his life of being a competitive angler with you yeah somewhere in the shadow like you're, yeah. you're supportive but you're also kind of a little bit hands-off how yeah. would you how does that apply to a soccer mom or a soccer dad yeah. or, or somebody that that um you know was good at a sport and they want their kid to be
2: yeah, I mean, I, I I do. I think I've got great advice for that. But I, I want to start by saying, um, as you were talking, I thought of something, which is it's important for Vegas and it's important for kids to see the whole sport, you know. And so the one thing Vegas has had the luxury of is is watching us engage in this sport, you know, which I think, you know, maybe a lot of parents of of aspiring, you know, athletes, whether it's baseball or football or whatever, fishing. It's just the activity itself. And, you know, Vegas has gotten a chance to see that it's not just the fishing, you know, that like half of what we do is not fishing. It's sales and it's marketing and it's branding and it's the hard work late at night. And it's, you know, all that. I'm so glad that he got to see that. And he also got to see... The downs as well as the ups. That's what you I was going to ask. He was ask. there. He was there through my last competitive season last year, where Tom, I had the worst season of my career. I could hardly catch a fish, and you know the the lows. You know it's important to understand the lows as much as it is to understand the highs. So so I'm glad he's he's seen that, and I really advocate that parents let let your kids see the whole thing not just, not just the winning and not just the fun part of it, but the work and the hustle and the grind and the downs. Like you have to know that too. But you know, at the end of the day, my best piece of advice and something with all our kids is make it fun, make it fun. And it's so hard to step outside. I'm a, I'm the most competitive person you'll ever meet. Besides maybe like Kevin Van Damme, he's more competitive than me, but, uh, I'm very competitive and I'm like, you know, just, ah, ah, and I'm just, but at the end of the day, sometimes that is a negative on your kids, right? So make it fun, make it something that they want to engage in. You know, if, if, if Vegas tomorrow said, man, a soccer is my deal and I love fishing, but that I, I don't want to compete, man, that's one. we're 100% behind that. They've got to love it. They've got to want to do it, and they have to have fun. If you make it fun, it's something they're always going to want to do the rest of their life. You know?
1: Yeah, that's great advice. Um, when, when, what about allowing them to to fail? Like, let's just say yeah. you know this particular lake that he's going to, and he's like, "Dad, yeah. I'm going out there. I'm going to throw shallow baits all day long." And you're just like, mm. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Uh. I, I mean. But you know, like that's not gonna. I mean, maybe you catch some fish, but you're not gonna win it like that. You're you're gonna win this tournament fishing deep. Do yeah. you do you allow somebody to, or do you allow him to fail? Like you know, in a like that's one of the yeah. things that was such a such a a real challenge for uh, for my wife and I when we were yeah. when we were watching our kids grow up. It's like, but you, we really learned how to look forward to moments where you could see that they were going to make a mistake, but it was a controlled, safe environment for them to fail. Yeah. And yeah. then to you got to just let them, let them fail, right? You like do. you have to let them fail. And
2: it's, an, it's, yeah, it's an interesting line because, you know, especially when it's your own kids, you, you don't want to see them fail, right? You don't want to see them make the mistakes or have the failure that you had, but at the same time, you know, I we we know, we're old guys now, we know that the best of learning happens in failure, right? So it's a really weird line. Um, you know, for me, when I'm in the boat with Vegas, I always try to coach. That's a really good term, uh, even for a parent, right? Is I try to coach. And as a coach, you know, you suggest and you put things into the air that he can take and process on his own um you know so coaching is good but you know if if he he loved my son loves to fish deep with a with finesse and he loves forward-facing sonar and Mm. i'll be honest i'm an old guy and i i not that i hate forward-facing sonar but i am (laughs) not as good with forward-facing sonar so you know i pull away from that but man, when that bite is on and he picks up on it and he wants to do it, he goes with it. And you have to let him do that. But, you know, as a coach, I also want to make him aware that, you know, listen, there's also a lot of fish out here that are that you don't see. And, you know, uh, you, know you can just cast and you can, you know, hey, how about combining the two? How about making some short blind cast as you're looking? And right, so there's that coaching element But, man, there's nothing wrong with failure. Uh, Honestly, just give you the most current example I can give you, we fished a Thursday nighter last night. So my son and I in the summer, we have a league here in South Jersey uh, called the Thursday Nighters is what we call them. It's every Thursday. It's a three-hour tournament. And we zeroed yesterday. (laughs) But, you know, Vegas had the front. Vegas had a game plan. We stuck to the game plan. We caught some fish. We didn't catch any keepers. We zeroed, but you know, we got back, we drove on the drive back. We talked about maybe what we could have did different. You know, he's a little frustrated. I'm a little frustrated, but that's the drive I think to make you want to be a better fisherman or a better athlete or a better, whatever, you know, and you're right. You have to fail. That's That's important that you fail. Man,
1: It is so important. I think that's one of the best things about just fishing, not even competitive fishing, but fishing in general is like, really, when you look at it, most times you don't just crush it. In fact, maybe most times. Yeah, it can be. I mean, it sure can be. Maybe most times you actually do not do what you thought you were going to do. Everything's perfect. The the weather's perfect. Everything's great. You're going to go out there. Oh, we're going to smoke them. They were here yesterday. You go out there. They're not here. Yep. And, and I don't care if it's freshwater, or saltwater, or whatever, everybody encounters that. And you have to deal with failure and you also have to deal with, um, a plan B and a plan C. And yes. what do you do when your plan E is not working? Well, yep. could it be maybe going back to plan A and it's a little later in the day and maybe yep. all of a sudden that does work. It's like, "Wait, yep. we were, we did have the idea. The idea yep. was right. Our timing was off. Right. Yep. Like it's so, I just love that so much about fishing. And and there's so many other things where there's very little failure. Like yeah. you can play it safe and you can go out there and you can, you know, do whatever you're doing. You you can be on a hockey team and, you know, you'll 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 win six games and, and lose four. Still got a winning season. Right. Yeah. But I don't know. I just love that about fishing, because most times you, you really strike out more than you you don't and then and then in your profession you know where you're where you're trying to win professional bass tournaments at the highest possible level there has to be a a a line of swinging for the fence and coming up with zero or
2: yeah the percentages are awful when you think about it like like okay there are standouts like any sport you look at a a van dam or a rick clon or a Jacob Wheeler. They're standouts. But when you look at the average dude's statistics, I've been at it 29 years professionally, right? And I've got 12 wins, 12 major wins in 29 years. That's pretty awful.
1: But it's also pretty awesome. I mean, like, you know what I'm saying is like, that's yeah. that's a incredible record. And, but, but that is an incredible record. Like a baseball percentage is incredible. Like you strike out most of the time. And then, you know, the guy that has the best percentage, you're looking at the percentage. You're like, that doesn't look so good. Like if you don't know anything about baseball, you know, you're like, yeah, that doesn't look so good. But, but I, I, you know, professional fishing is very hard, any kind, any kind that you want to do. bass fishing saltwater fishing any you know big marlin fishing there's a lot of people out there that want to do it and a lot of people like you and me that have minds that will not slow down and will not stop about how you could possibly do it better i think that's one of the best things about it and also one of the most most difficult things about it
2: i love that i love what you just said is what i love about the sport and you know it's like uh we always vegas and i always talk about you know like he loves soccer. And, you know, in soccer, if you have a bad game, you know, you, got, you have a team, right? You know, you've got forwards, defensemen, midfielders, you've got a goalie. And, you know, in a sport like that, you can very easily pass the buck a little bit and say, We lost this game because of this or, you know, whatever. But I love, we love in fishing that it's you against the fish. You know, it's, it's you, you're not really competing against the other hundred guys on the elite trail. You're you against the fish. I love that. And I love, you know, that you can win and lose by your own merit. And, And, you know, it's just, to me, that is the most amazing thing. That when I win, it was because of me. And when I lose, it was because of me. I have no one else to blame. And I love that. I love yeah. that about fishing. Yeah,
1: know? me too. Uh, me too. It's really great. So with uh, such a big career, did you say last year was your last season as a professional angler? Did I miss that, that you re- that, no. that you retired?
2: No, so I had a weird, I had a really weird sort of, I'm trying to think of the best way. To, maybe it was like a hiccup or a speed bump in my career. So, you know, when COVID hit, It affected the pro tours, like it did a lot of other sports. Mm -hmm. And so basically the trails, the two trails were sort of put on hiatus. At the time I was fishing with major league fishing. And so I think it was that March or so they just said, you know, this year's a wash and we're going to start back over next year. And so, you know, I got this break that was the strangest, weirdest most amazing thing that ever has ever happened in my life, my professional life, because you know, I know you're, you're a workaholic too, Tom. I know you are. Uh, I, 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 I know your background. I can (laughs) see it in your eyes, but, um, I sat down for the first, (laughs) for the first time for like 30 years plus years at that point and took like a breath and took a breather. And it was this really neat, refreshing thing. That happened in my life. And so when the tours came back the following year, I just made it. We made a decision as a family that I was going to take a break. And I took a break for a full year, that full following year. I just didn't fish a major tour. We, we, of course, stepped up a lot of the other pieces of the business and content and podcasting and all that great stuff, social media. We stepped all that up, but I didn't compete for a full year. And you know the funny thing that happened is as refreshing as that break was and as good as it was for my soul I needed that to happen. Um I really started to miss it and mm. I started to get that itch of missing the competition, missing the game, missing that puzzle. But you know, not the puzzle when you're fun fishing or not the puzzle when you're filming a TV show. Yeah. But the puzzle with pressure and you know that that eight hour day and that, you know, I'd started missing it. And so I made a decision that next year to work my way back, you know, and, and that was important for me because I didn't want one of those tours, you know, after taking a break saying here, come back, you know, cause I was out, you know, and, and so I fished the qualifying divisions to, to get back into the tours That's awesome. that year. And it was so cool because it was like, you know, getting back to that grindstone where man, I had to work. You nothing's nothing's given to me. I'm I'm there with, you know, in the qualifying tours. There's sometimes two, three hundred competitors trying to vie for those berths into the the leagues. And that year it was awesome, and I qualified to get back in both leagues. And then we made a decision to go back to Bassmaster. Uh, you know, that year which was last year. And it was really felt full circle for me because the Bassmaster Tour is where I started when I was a kid reading the magazines. It's the place I looked up to. It was, it felt right for me. Um, Nothing against Major League Fishing and the Bass Pro Tour, uh, but you know, different format, different event. You know, not as much fanfare, not weighing the fish, not calling, not having to rush back to wait. Like there's all these elements that I missed. And uh yeah, we went back to bass last year and it was so it, it it felt it felt right, you know, and it was almost like you catch a second wind, you know, like where you're you're tired and you're just exhausted and like you got nothing left. That was sort of at at covid. And then it was like, you know, 50 years old, I'm ready. I feel like I got another 10 years in me of of competing. And that that's what it felt like for me. And I am I can tell you right now at 51 my second year back on tour, I'm as hungry and as driven and as, you know, you know, wanting to win as the beginning of my career. Wow! So, um, feels good. Feels good to be back. It feels good. Last year was a, was a disaster. (laughs) Feels good this year. I'm I'm in the twenties and points. I'm having a great season. Feels great to be fishing good again. And, and doing something I love, you know, just honestly, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I love competition and yeah. it feels good to be back here.
1: Well, that's great, man. Congratulations on that. It's really cool that you, uh, you chose to, to qualify back in. That's like a movie. We should do a movie about that, <laughs> that's, or one of these. Have you seen the, the documentaries that they have right now on Netflix? They got one about quarterbacks. They got one about, uh, oh, yeah. the, the, the formula one drivers. They have one oh, about yeah. golf. They have, it, there's, there should be one about fishing. And that would be the story right there. That would, there, that would be the greatest should, story. It's like there Rudy.
2: There, you know, even if, whether it's the Bassmaster trail or the saltwater series or you guys that are doing TV stuff, there's so much cool other stuff yeah. that happens. Oh, that for sure. I, I wish people could see that, you know, ups and downs, you yeah. know, like the heartbreaks and the, and the work and the, you, you know, people the don't see loneliness. that. The loneliness. Yeah, I, mean, I think people, Tom. People look at you and they're like, "Man, Tom's got the, he's got the ultimate life." Man, that must be awesome. And it is. My yeah. life's awesome. Your life's awesome. But dude, it's a lot of work. There's, There's struggles. Too.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, at fifty-one and fifty-four, um, a lot of that work has been done that yeah. that people didn't see. Right. Like, right. you know, right. Working your way up through the, the Federation and 100%. and all of the pre-fishing days and everything else. And yeah. I don't know, all of the guide days. And I don't yeah. know. It's been it's been great. And I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it for anything. But yeah. uh, there you, you, you really do need to be a workaholic and you need to enjoy working. And, you know, yeah. even I, I got to tell my wife, I'm like, even when I'm just sitting on the porch, just staring out at the trees, I'm working. Like oh, I'm yeah. thinking about something, yeah. like, how can I make something better? How, who, who should I have yeah. on the podcast? What should I ask them? What, yeah. you know, all of that stuff. So yeah. anyway, uh, this has been awesome and it's been really great to catch up with you. I want to end with, uh, with four questions and these do not have to be fast, like, uh, okay. like the first one. So you can think about these and, and you could, um, you could uh well, actually i only have 3 today. Uh so what are three non-negotiables in your day or in your life?
2: Oh, three non-negotiables in my day or my life. I I mean, I think one is the one we just talked about uh which is just that work ethic. And you know, that's a hard thing to to teach. It re- it really is. Like you either have it or you don't or you see it and you Want to engage in that, you know, and 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 uh, you know, not to throw the younger generation under the bus. Maybe I am a little bit, but I don't see that as much in in a lot of you know younger people. But I do see it in in some younger people. But man, that's important. And what you just said, you know, to to really like hustle every day, you know, to engage in it every day, your craft. um, That's important. And you know, for me in my career. I am 100% not the best fisherman out there. Fresh, salt, whatever. I am not. But man, I will work and I will outwork and outcast and I'll try to outfish any anytime I'm out there. I try to give it my all. So that's one for sure. The second one, and maybe this one should have been number one, is that family aspect. And we danced around it in the conversation today which is as much as you're driven and, you know, work driven or passion driven, that family should always come first. And, you know, when I look back on my career, Tom, it's, it was the single hardest and still is single hardest thing to deal with in my career has been that non-normal, normal life of, you know, travel and this gypsy lifestyle. And, but family should always come first. And, you know, when you do that, I think I think everything else uh, finds itself. You know, I think everything else finds itself when you put family first. And then, you know, the last one is maybe one more geared toward fishing, but I, I think it could parlay into life, which is one of the best things I've done in my fishing career is I was never a snob toward one thing. I've always tried to keep it very open and try new things in this sport. And what I can tell you that in my experience, you know, as a kid learning how to flounder fish with my grandfather, uh, later in life, learning how to carp fish uh, from these carp experts, you know, getting on the boat with a Peter Miller and, and, you know, doing all this, amazing stuff. It's all helped my fishing. I am not a snob. I am not a fishing snob. It does not have to be a bass. I do not have to have a fly rod in my hand. I'll be on the bank in a kayak in a giant boat. Like if it pulls back, I want to learn it. And I think opening yourself up to learning other things in, in, in that field can make you a better all around you know, professional or all around fisherman. you know, it's been really big for me, uh, just learning those other species and learning other techniques and bouncing those back and forth has really, really helped, helped me in my career. Yeah, no doubt.
1: That's awesome. Okay. Uh, so is there a piece of advice that someone gave you that you have implemented towards your success or something that you think about often that, uh, you're like, man, that one piece of advice has been yes. tried and true over all these years.
2: Yes, that's such that's that's is the most amazing easy question <laughs> because I honestly, I sort of you think about it or utilize it almost every single day in my life. And I'll give you the quick story. Um, back in two thousand two, my uncle Don, who honestly is like my uncle Don's like my dad, um, was diagnosed with stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma. Whoa. And, you know, it was pretty far along and I can remember the, the, you know, the very gloomy conversations with him and my mom about how bad this was, you know, and, and the reality of, of where it was at. And I saw this drive and determination in my uncle to just keep going, you know, like through these treatments and through you know, all of this just push and push and push. And I watched this and it really, you know, that part of my life, I was going through stuff too. That in retrospect is not, it wasn't, you know, anything that's earth shattering, life shattering, but I was going through stuff. And I think a lot of times when things are down, you have a tendency to just want to bail and just say, I had enough of this, you know, and whatever. But watching him, with this amazing never give up spirit was the most important thing that ever happened in my life. Um, You know, it changed that season for me. The very next year in 2003, I won the Classic. It changed the way I fished. It really changed my life. And it, you know, it sort of has become a, a fishing motto or tagline for me. But Tom, it's really a life motto, and and you know, just along when we're talking about that work ethic, it's like keep pushing, you know, no matter how bad it gets, you know, whether it's a tournament and you've got no fish and there's five minutes left in the tournament, or if it's life, you know, if 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 it's the end of the road, just keep going, man, keep pushing, never give up, you know, and that that's it for me that's yeah never that, give that's up that's my life that's my life motto that's yeah.
1: that's awesome um and finally what's your definition of success
2: definition of success i think a good way to make this podcast come full circle is 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 to be happy you know okay. is is to be happy and uh you know i'm i'm super been super fortunate to have all these amazing opportunities this right here Shit, I'm on a, I'm on a podcast. Tom Roland, this is amazing. <laughs> uh, but but you know, to to look all that in the big as as a big picture, and at the end of the day, say you know I am in the best place I've ever wanted to be. I'm happy. My kids are happy. You know I've got a wife that's happy. We we have we built this life that's amazing. And you know to strive for that happiness. You know, um, I, I I think too many people in life relate that happiness to things, you know, um, and you should disconnect those things. Like, yes, look, it's great if you get to a point in your life where you could afford an amazing saltwater boat. It's great if you have this amazing house. And those things are great, but that does not make you happy, right? Happiness comes from the soul. Happiness comes from your family. Man, if you're happy, everything else will fall in place. And that's true.
1: Man, that's a way to take it full circle, man. Well, you have had an amazing career. You have an amazing life. you have doing amazing things for the fishing community. And, uh, you know, congratulations. I, I really uh, admire you for that. And and like I said, when we first started, man, I'm a fan. You're doing great things. And, uh, and, and I'm happy to see you happy. Like that's... That's really cool. Like to to do this but then also to take a little time to 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 appreciate it and and enjoy it. Like and and to realize the impact that you're having. But you are having a huge impact and you'll probably never know the impact that that you and your wife and your foundation and 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 all of what you're doing is having. So, congratulations for all of that.
2: Well, I appreciate that. Thank you for saying that and thank you for having me on the show, man. Yeah. I I love I love coming on and I love talking about that stuff. It's It's a very refreshing thing when you could talk about stuff other than how to tie and improve clinch knot.
1: Well, I mean, what we're trying to do here is, (laughs) is what we're trying to do is to, to, to bridge something, you know, like there are things that, you know, and learned in your life. And, and fishing is a very interesting one. And a lot of the people that listen to this are, are fishermen, but most of the people that listen to this are like parents and people that are trying to, they love fishing and they've followed your career and everything, but they're trying to start a business. They're trying to get a better job. They're trying to, raise their family in the best possible way they can what lessons can you teach them that they can apply into something completely different in life and and like you said about um you know learning these different fishing techniques and fishing for different species I feel like I do the same thing by meeting people and talking to them and finding out and and really it was really easy for me because you know as a fishing guide that you're fishing every single day with different people a yeah. lot of those people are like CEOs of big companies and you can talk to them about the, the their rise and their failures and their successes and all these other things and you can start to apply them to catching a bonefish or you can yeah. apply them to winning a tournament or you can apply them to uh, having a difficult conversation with your kid for whatever reason. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that's what this podcast is all about, man, is just yeah. to try to, Find out what makes people tick, and then see if there's something that that we can apply to to our life. So you yeah. you certainly have offered that, and it's it's great. Now we got to have you on Saltwater Experience. I got to have you. We got to. I, w- I, I would think that the ultimate show we could go catch Goliath groupers under the bushes. Listen, it would be so I would, fun.
2: I would love that. Like honestly, I said at the beginning of the podcast. But man, if I could salt, if I could figure out a way to be successful saltwater fishing. <laughs> Hey I would probably switch in a heartbeat. It's happened before.
1: I, Bill Dance, Shaw Grigsby. I do. Mike they, Iconelli.
2: They, they're the masters of it, but uh I would love that. I'd love the opportunity to share the boat with you one day for sure. And thank you for having me on again. Absolutely. It's, it's been so been so much fun.
1: All right. Thanks, man. Have a great day. Thanks, See ya.